Turn now in your Bibles once again as we look into God's Word to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. If you were here last week, you know that we considered the first six verses. This psalm consists of four stanzas, four sections of six verses each. And we looked at the first six last week where we considered uh, the fact that God knows everything also known as God's omniscience. And today we're going to consider the fact that God is everywhere. The big word for that is omnipresence. So we'll read through the part we've already examined just to get the flow of the, of the psalm here and then continue on in, through the second section and end at verse 12. So let's give our attention now to the reading of God's word. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, Behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. This is the word of the Lord. So Psalm 139, most likely written by Israel's king, David, is a personal, deeply personal song, praising the greatness of the God of Israel. It makes me wonder, uh, asking myself as much as anyone, do we think much about the greatness of God? Does that fact, the greatness of God, occupy our thoughts on a daily basis. I'm not saying every thought we have has to be about the greatness of God, at least not directly, but that, that truth should, should be flowing through us uh, throughout our lives. Like if we just happen to see a beautiful sunset, how do you respond to that? Oh, what a beautiful sunset. No, 
It's, be it's better than that. It is a beautiful sunset. But can you say, oh, the greatness of God, because he's behind that beautiful sunset. He's the one that brings it to our delight. One of the first books I ever bought about the nature of God, the character of God, was a small paperback. That shows you where I was in my early Christian days. I was looking for small paperbacks about Christian things. Don't give me those big 500 page ones yet. I wasn't quite ready for that yet. Anyway, it was a small book by J.B. Phillips who translated the New Testament. Uh, and a lot of people are familiar with the Phillips translation. Anyway, he wrote this book and the title of it caught my attention. It was titled, Your God is Too Small. Your God is too small. Is your God too small? Is your conception of God less than what it really is based on what God teaches about, about himself and his word? Another book title would put it in a different way, but it's saying the same thing. There was a biography written about Reverend Sam Patterson. Many of you will recognize that name. He was the president of French Camp Academy for many years. And then he moved to Jackson and began meeting with uh, laymen, uh, elders, and ministers, a group of them that were interested in forming a new seminary. And as they thought about that and what it would involve, the money especially, where's that going to come from? And one of the men there said out loud to the group, how would we do this? Where would the money come from? Sam Patterson responded by saying, how big is your God? The title of Sam Patterson's biography has that, those words on it. How big is your God? You need to read that. And I'm saying that because I need to read it too. For years I've been saying, I need to read that. And I still haven't done it. But I knew Sam Patterson. He became president of Reformed Theological Seminary and was there when I was a student there. But anyway, that's the saying the same thing. How big is your God? Or your God is too small. These verses challenge that, don't they? Because we already saw God knows everything. And now we're going to see that God is everywhere. Quite simple. So here's some things to consider. First of all, from verse 7, we should ask where God is. It's not, a, a wrong, it's not wrong to ask where God is. There are times in our lives when we need to do that. Maybe when you're first thinking about being a Christian. Is God really there? And if he is, if he is out there somewhere, is he here? And of course, the scriptures give us that answer. This is a good place to see that. Verse 7. So David here is processing his understanding of God. He's thinking out loud, as we might say, and he's putting it down on paper under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. 
And so we asked some questions. Where shall I go from your spirit? Is there anywhere I could go and be away from your spirit? God is a spirit, meaning he's capable of being everywhere. And in fact, he is everywhere. And then a second question, or where shall I flee from your presence? Now understand, David is not wanting to run away from God. He's not like Jonah. He tried that one time, didn't work out too well. He's just thinking through this as a, a scenario of trying to understand God. And so he asks questions. This is not the only Psalm where David asks questions of God. At the beginning of our worship service, we had the call to worship from Psalm 22. Some of you know what the first verse in that Psalm says. It's probably the most agonizing and penetrating question that's ever been asked of God. David says in Psalm 22, one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What? Can a, a believer say something like that? Is that blasphemy? Is that anathema? There's another big word we can think of. Is he not a real believer at all when he says that? He's simply a suffering Christian, David. He suffered greatly in his life. And there were, was a point in his life where he got to that level. God's abandoned him. Why? But David's descendant, another king, also asked that same question, and he asked it from the cross. Jesus, Matthew 27 tells us, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, I submit to you that if Jesus could ask that question, David can ask that question. We can ask God hard questions. And one of the questions David is processing here is, could I go somewhere, Lord, and you not be there? Is that possible? And so he, he gives these extreme examples, which we'll look at a little more in a minute. But the fact that he asked the question should encourage us to ask questions of God. We're made in the image of God. We are designed by God to know him. In fact, we all do know him, but do we know him savingly? Do we know him from our hearts through our commitment to Jesus Christ alone as our savior and Lord? Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. Every human being has that sense that they are designed to live beyond this life. People come up with all kinds of answers to that issue, of course, but the scriptures are clear. When we die, we have an eternity to face, either with Christ in glory or with 
Satan in hell. But notice the, David, the questions he asks of God. He says, where can I go from your presence? Literally what he's saying there is, where can I go from your face? That's a little more clear and blunt, isn't it? Where can I go? Not literally. God doesn't have a face if he's a spirit. But where can I go where you are directly there with me? Is there anywhere I can go where you're not there? Where can I flee from your presence? Same idea. Do you have questions about God? Sometimes, yeah, God, why are you doing this? God, what do you want me to do now? How do I, how do I make this decision? It's not very clear to me what my, which one I should choose of the options that I see in front of me. We can go to God for guidance. We can go to God for anything because God welcomes our questions. He can handle them and he can help you in them. Now, second thing to notice, it's good to ask questions. Secondly, we should consider where God is. This is where David sort of draws out uh, and thinks through this whole matter of, is there a place that I could possibly go where God is not there? So he pictures three extremes here. One is what we might call the vertical extreme in verse eight. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's sort of a, a broad term. It has different specific meanings in scripture, but it generally means the worst, lowest condition I could be in. And often that's a reference to death, to the grave. I thought about that in a literal sense recently. I thought about where's the highest place I've ever been. <coughs> For me, the answer was Pike's Peak. 14,000, <coughs> just over 14,000 feet high. When we started up the mountain on that train, you have, you can hike it, you can bike it, you can ride your car up there, but we chose the easy route. <laughs> and we left Manitou Springs and went up on the train. When we left Manitou Springs, the bottom of the mountain, it was in the 70s, really nice. We got to the top of the mountain and it was covered in snow. It wasn't 70s. 14,000 something feet, you know, and that's, that's I believe the highest place I've ever been, aside from being in an airplane. I guess I should include that too. So 35,000 feet also. Where's the lowest place I've ever been? Well, I know one thing, it wasn't underwater. That's not my, that doesn't have my interest. Um, I learned to swim over here at the Y. And that's about as much as you could say about how low I can go in that, in that regard. But, just think of the extremes in your own life, literally, and think, is it, was it possible that God wasn't on top of Pike's Peak? Is it possible that God's down in the, the Marianas Trench in the deepest part of the ocean? David's thinking through that. He's processing it, and that's what you and I need to do. 
when we read God's word. Don't just, you know, skim over it. Think through it like David did. And then here's another extreme, the horizontal. He just considered what we might call the vertical, the highest and the lowest. Then he considers the horizontal in uh, <clears throat> uh, verse uh, 9 and 10. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. The wings of the dawn, as it's translated sometimes, uh, or the wings of the morning. And the idea there is when light first appears in the morning. And it, as it, it, it's sort of like it, the light comes over the horizon. It shoots itself out across the horizon, across the area where we are and beyond. And we might refer to that as the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. Nobody here has driven that fast, I hope. Can you imagine 186,000 miles per second? Can you watch light go by? <laughs> no, it's instantaneous to us because it's so fast. And so he's saying, even if I could shoot myself across the horizon like, like light does in the morning, and then following that, he mentions what I would call the, vis the visual, the vertical or horizontal visual. Verse 15, excuse me, not verse 15, uh, verse 10, uh, verse 11, I'll get it right in a minute. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. John, 1 John 1 verse 5. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. You, sometimes we think, well, I can hide in the dark. Well, you can hide from other people in the dark, but you can't hide from God. Darkness is just like light to God. He sees right through it. That's not an impediment to God's vision. But notice the emphasis here. He, he repeats himself when he gives each one of these extremes. In verse 9, I mean verse 8, he says, If I ascend to heaven, notice, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, verse 10, even there your hand shall lead me. You are there. You are there. Even there, he says. And so David is concluding, there's nowhere where God isn't already there. That's an aspect of the greatness of God. Jeremiah said something similar in chapter 23 at verse 23. Am I a God, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Am I a God and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? 
That's God saying. Same thing that David is discussing here with himself. Now, this is important because even though God is everywhere, we've got to make a distinction. God is everywhere, but he is not everything. The new age philosophy that is overtaking our culture is telling us that everything is one. Even the divine. To the point where people, famously by actress Shirley MacLaine, declares that they are divine, that they are God because everything is God. That's pantheism. All is God. And even the, the uh, sexual changes that are going on in our culture are rooted in this conviction that everything is ultimately one. There's no distinctions like male and female. It's all the same. No distinctions. The greatest distinction is the one between God and his creation. God is everywhere, but he's not just here. And he is not everything in this. God is not the ocean. God is not these pews. God is not what we'll eat for lunch. God is distinct from what he has made. And we need to always keep that as one of the core foundational convictions we have because it is true. It is, comes from the word of God. And our culture is rapidly trying to run away from God, the God of the Bible. There's a hymn, I sing the almighty power of God. There's a line in that that says, and everywhere that man can be, thou God art present there. Not to watch for these great theological, biblical statements that come out of our hymns, that come out of good hymns. Have you taken the time, like David did, to consider where God is? Where is God? And we need to understand not only his omnipresence, but of course everything that God reveals to us about himself. It will benefit us greatly as well as glorify God. It will expand your understanding of how great the only true God really is. You will come to see that your idea of God was a shrunken version, more than likely, of who he really is. So don't let your God be too small, expand it. And lastly, notice, we should be comforted because of where God is. By we, I'm referring to those who know Christ. Because if you don't know Christ, this is not a pleasant thought, just like it wasn't a pleasant thought to think God knows everything about me. But for the Christian who's safe, who's safe in Christ, we're not condemned anymore. God has loved us and redeemed us and we are, we are secure in that forever. And so we can be comforted by the fact that God is everywhere. For one thing, it means that we are never truly alone. If God is everywhere, then we are there too. He is there where we are. Jesus said, you know, just before he ascended into heaven, I am with you always. He's told his disciples that. I am with you. I'm going to heaven, but I am with you nonetheless. Listen, God is not only with you, he is in you. 
Paul says we are the temple. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Christ dwells in us through his spirit. And if anything can help us understand that God is with me, it's, it's that. He's in me too. Paul in Colossians says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We need to think about that more too. And what it will do to help us in our faith. You know, when the president of the United States goes out and about, he's never alone. He's always got a secret service detail. It's those people that wear sunglasses and do this all the time. They're always muttering into a mic, you know, to connect with each other. And they do that to protect the president. You and I have got something better than that. We've got the ultimate security. The presence of the living God. No matter what your situation, no matter what your station in life, no matter what your location, the Christian can be assured that God is there with him or her. Now, you may feel alone, excruciatingly alone, but you have to remember, even though you may be alone or feel alone as far as other people are concerned, You aren't alone. No matter how much you feel it, the reality, the fact is God is there. And so you have to work through those feelings and remember objective truths. They always are are going to trump feelings. Feelings can be deceptive. But objective facts are what we have to go by. God is with us. And when he's there, he's there to work in our lives. Did you see in verse 10 especially how we talks about God's hand. Even there, your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. Verse uh, five, we saw last week, you lay your hand upon me. That's that's an anthropomorphism. Man, I'm throwing out these big words today. That's that's taking something literal and sort of picturing God in that way, even though we can't apply it in a literal way. We have hands. God's hand is simply the the means that he uses to work in our lives. His hand leads us, guides us, as if he were taking us by the hand and saying, come this way. (laughs) And he does that in his supernatural sovereign way in in providence. He directs you one way, directs you from going another way. He keeps you from messing up too much. (laughs) Because a Christian is going to walk in the path of blessing with our great shepherd guiding us. We should never, never attempt to flee from God like Jonah did. That's always a hopeless cause. Many present day Christians can recall their attempts to run from God and can testify now as Christians that when God has determined to save you, he will pursue you until he has you. You may not even realize that he's doing that. I know that's what happened to me. God was pursuing me and frankly, I wasn't that interested at the time. These very verses were the basis for uh, a great 
uh, Christian poem written by Francis Thompson called The Hound of Heaven. It's not a long poem. You can look it up. It's beautiful. It's got some old words in there that I'm going, uh, let's see if I can figure out what that means. Uh, but you get the idea. God is like the hound of heaven, chasing after us, as it were, until he captures us in the greatest, one most wonderful way possible. It's like a parent running after a child who's about to go jump in a lake that he can't swim in. And the parent keeps running and running until he catches his kid and protects him and saves him. God does far greater for us. Now we saw last time with God's omniscience, how that should profoundly impact Christians and how it should impact non-Christians. So I'm just saying, if you have been trying to run from God, or maybe you've been running from God and didn't even realize that's what you were doing because you were running after other pleasures, you were running after success, you were running after being affirmed by your peers, you're running from God. And I submit to you that you do a 180 that you hit the brakes, realize that you're running in the wrong direction, and turn around and run to God. And guess what? If you run to God and say, save me, save me from myself, save me from my sin, make me yours and be my shepherd forever. If you do that, Jesus has his arms extended wide to receive you. So turn from your sin, turn to Christ. And Christian, rejoice. Rejoice that wherever you are, God is with you in Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise and adore you we don't understand so much about life, but you've given us the answers we need in your holy word, your word that is truth. Help us, Lord, to sift through all the lies that come our way every day in our world and cling to the truth, the true foundation that we sang about a while ago, the firm foundation that we have in your excellent word. We ask, O oh Lord, now that you steer us where we need to go, that you comfort us with the knowledge that you are with us always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.